feeling the pain as your business grows? You know it's crucial for your business to grow, but with limited resources, time, and cash flow, it can be challenging to prioritize and budget for that growth shift. This episode will cover our top tips for budgeting for organizational growth. We'll talk experiences, practical strategies, and much more. Are you a startup founder or CMO trying to grow your brand? There's good news, you're not the first. Our growth team is committed to learning and earning the skills and strategies high growth companies have used to build their businesses. And now we're sharing them with you. Welcome to Growth Team Radio. Welcome to Growth Team Radio. I'm your host today, Chris Dubois, and I am joined today by Kevin Barber, our founder and head of growth. What's up, people? Doing good. I'm excited. Yeah. Because today we are talking about budgeting for growth, time, money, and people is the headline. Um, and I just want to kick this off by going right into uh, you telling me about your history with budgeting for growth in your own company, starting up Lean Labs. Well, um, actually, budgeting and growth was a big part of actually starting Lean Labs. So before I um, started Lean Labs, I was a consultant and I did a lot of web based applications. And a lot of those web-based apps um, and websites needed marketing, right? And uh, what was happening was is that I would be involved in consulting on, uh, you know, different things. And, and there would be an agency involved who was billing oftentimes an excessive amount of money. It seemed like to me at that time in my age, I thought, wow, $15,000, $35,000 a month is a lot of money. And then I would be like, well, what's the ROI of this? And they're like, well, no, we ran these ads and we managed these campaigns and we made these pages. I'm like, no, 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 that's the output. What's the outcome? Right. Right. What's the outcome? Like what, what, what's the ROI on that month? Right. Or how about this? Maybe it doesn't have to ROI this month. Maybe it has to ROI this quarter or maybe it's going to ROI this year. How are you managing the return on investment of all the work you're doing? And the answer is a big fat nothing. A big fat nothing, right? And um, just to be honest, when you start a new initiative, and even when I was in Lean Labs thinking about our own internal marketing, we we started off really thinking about outcomes for clients, but for our own stuff, we were like, let's just start this and see what happens, right? And we we actually fell into that trap of output. We'll just do the output instead of being able to tie that to outcome. So one of the big shifts we made is uh, we are working with both for ourselves and our clients all the time, a 90-day focus, a 90-day focus. What are we looking to do in the next 90 days? What is the baseline of how it's been? And what's what the target of where it's going? And it's our job to make sure that, you know, even if we miss the target, we want to make sure that we're we're on a path to ROI, right? So so are we is this is this quarter's activity going to be ROI positive in 60 days, 90 days, 180 days, but but like being able to understand the impact of the work you're doing is is incredibly important. And in order to know that, you have to know what a customer's worth. 
You know, right. you have to know you have to and, and you have to know what your win rate is with an opportunity. And you have to know what that once you know what the win rate is of an opportunity, you know what opportunity is worth. And if you know how many conversations it takes in order to create an opportunity, you know what a SQL is worth. And then now you can actually track back and understand the ROI of all of your marketing activities. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, through that, right, as you were learning everything. Do you find any any mistakes or missteps you think the audience could learn from before we actually dive in deeper in this episode? Yeah, Anything so willing to admit. <laughs> yeah, my mistakes. Um my mistakes would be you know, not taking the time to really understand the total cost of customer acquisition. Uh, I will admit something. I was thinking about CAC, C-A-C, cost, you know, customer acquisition cost. And I forgot about sales. <laughs> I forgot about the, the whole sales department. Um, obviously, it's marketing and sales. <laughs> that together with all of their expenditure and management are CAC, right? That's where the cost of customer acquisition is. So um, as a as a marketing lead gen, SQL gen focus, I forgot about the cost of sales in customer acquisition cost. Um, and then and the fact is, is that you cannot be an effective marketer unless you know exactly what's happening in sales because they're going to give you the cues of exactly what needs to get fixed. Right. That, that I, I yeah. said it in 30 seconds, but it took me a while to figure that one out. <laughs> yeah. So good lesson. Everyone else just got a, a jump start on that one. Uh, so let's, let's go with uh, some initial planning. How can you walk me through uh, your process for forecasting revenue expenses and just like planning for growth? Right. So the first thing that you got to think about if I can just go one level higher than that, and you're probably going to have to yeah. re-ask me that question, right? Yeah. So one level higher than that is the first the first product that you make inside of a company is a product that gets a customer an outcome, and it could be it could be a software product, it could be a technology product, or it could be a serviced productized service. But you're going to go through these steps with either these tools or technology or technicians to get someone an outcome, right? Mm-hmm. obviously that's the first product that you make. But the second product you make is a system by which to create a customer. Right? And that and that's basically the deal. And that system that creates a customer is going to have to evolve. And in the beginning, normally the way it is created is you were close enough to a couple of people who had a problem that you stepped up and solved it. And that's where your customers came from. And then those people told a few other people and you got some word of mouth referrals and that's where those customers came from, right? But then if you want to ultimately go win the market, you have to become a champion of the problem you're solving. Go out there, talk about that problem, talk about the the you know the cost of that problem and the inferior solutions to that problem that are out there and what you're doing different, right? And and when you go out and you build a customer generation machine, the first thing you got to do is you have to have the ability to actually just have a narrative that goes out and gets a customer, even if it's completely inefficient to start. And that's the founder starting, like literally 
Where are the customers? How can I go talk to them? What is the narrative of what hits their hot buttons and pain points and drives their interest and intrigue to at least have a conversation, whether that's in digital marketing, anything or not, right? And then once you once you understand what the, a couple of those pain points and building blocks are that you can communicate and you get a you get a pretty strong receptive market to it, that's when you can start thinking about marketing at all, right? And then, and then, because you you only market a narrative that that works. You don't do marketing without the narrative, right? So, uh, so many marketing campaigns. Step one, <laughs> rather than increasing the budget, is to turn off what you're doing, because you can track back over the last year as literally no ROI, right? So, about forty percent of this audience, based upon my review of analytics. Step one is not to spend money. Step step one is to start saving money and preparing ammo, right? And then there there is kind of a process of of going through it. But you were kind of asking me about budgets, which is for that more senior company, the one that's farther along, right? Uh, as having some wins. And what did you ask me about the budget? Just uh, just to look through like the process of kind of forecasting revenue and expenses, so that we can start planning for growth. Right? How much right. how much budget can we actually allocate? to our growth. Right. So like, here is an interesting question that most most companies haven't asked or figured out yet, right? What is the lifetime value, LTV? What is the lifetime value of a customer? What does a customer pay us over the days, weeks, months, quarters, years that they're with us, right? So the typical Lean Labs client, small client, will we have a pretty high LTV. Our smaller client pays us about $100,000 a year for about five years. That's a $500,000 LTV. And our larger clients, our scale-up clients, it's closer to a million dollars. We have a very high LTV. Now, the first customer, the first question you got to ask is, what are we willing to spend to acquire a customer? Right. Right? So, like, I'm going to make up a number really quick. Uh, $50,000. Would we would we be willing to spend fifty thousand dollars to acquire one customer? It'll be a mix of the small and the large ones, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, if we can get it, if we could get ten customers for five hundred thousand dollars, right? Well, what would happen is it would cost us five hundred thousand dollars. But now, now we we've added, depending on a mix of small and large, we've added between one and two million dollars you know, a year. So we're paying this back in what, three, four months. Right. I think most brands haven't actually thought through just how much they could spend to acquire a customer. Right. Does that make sense? So, and then if you don't know how much you can spend, then, then you don't, (laughs) then it's really hard to define any budget at all. You know, so, so the first question is, is what is the LTV and what would be a reasonable cost of customer acquisition? Uh, Mark, Mark Roberge from HubSpot, when he worked at HubSpot, he's not there now. Um, he defined some some amazing sales metrics. He actually wrote a book about it too. Um, but the deal is, is that he said, hey, we want the LTV to CAC ratio to be four to one. And we want to make sure we get repaid in 12 months. So so if what you're if what you're selling is $1,000 a month and you keep them for four years, that's a $48,000 LTV. I'm sorry to go math on you guys. But four to one would be you'd be paying $12,000 to acquire the customer. And if they're paying 1000 a month, it would take a full year to recap what it costs to acquire a customer. That your LTV max 
including the cost of marketing and sales in this example would be uh, your, your customer acquisition cost would be $12,000. Now, look, you can do a lot of marketing and a lot of sales and have a lot of conversations and learn an awful lot with, with that kind of unit economics. Now, the question is, is will your business grow under that? Can, can you have healthy profit margins for which to not just make a profit, but to reinvest in product and team expansion, et cetera, under those unit economics? And a lot of companies don't, haven't done that, haven't done that math. Um, yeah. Chris and I always joke for you guys listening to the podcast that I always say you can't outmath me. You know, I really like the math, um, but uh, mm-hmm. possibly to a problematic degree. So we're going to have to be careful of just how deep we go on math when there's no visuals on this podcast. Yeah, because I'm here live and, <laughs> and the math is uh, always fun. Uh, oh, and just for to kind of edify you on that. I've literally been using my calculator while on the phone with you and you've come up with the answer, (laughs) the mathematic answer faster than I was doing it on my calculator. So, um, yeah. Well, look, marketing, marketing actually is math. Great marketing is a mathematical balance sheet. That is, I mean, that's where you measure marketing is in, in the math. So I I do, I love that. And, uh, yeah, it, it keeps it fun because at the end of the day, you know, if you're not growing a company, then you're then then you're tanking. They're tanking a company. Uh, right. Sorry to go to the two extremes, but that's yeah. it. Because someone else is going to be ga- grabbing the market share that your marketing isn't. Right. Well, I mean, you have the whole the whole idea that if you if you just understand the math, you can know where the problems are going to surface before you even get in there. Like, if you know your LTV is going to be off. Mm-hmm. Right. And you're not actually going to be able to afford this over the next three months, then don't do it. And so now you can actually apply your budget to areas that you can actually grow and get value from. And so right. like, not paying attention to the math is. It's yeah, out of our program. Where we go through that LTV sheet. Uh, I don't right. mean to d- demean anyone, but I'm going to I'm going to say that the vast majority of of the companies that we have ever worked with, the vast majority of them have not done that exercise, you know, mm-hmm. And and then that exercise is just the primer because then you start doing LTV and customer acquisition cost by channel, right? You know, by channel. How is that working for events? How is that working for account based marketing? How is that working for whatever? And you know, social uh, influencer. How is that working for you know SEO? And and that's where you can then decide. Hey, I'm going to slow up over here and I'm going to double down over here. Right. And that and and that's when you can start shifting your budgets to drive growth. So moving further along those lines, um, we, a few years ago, and then right now, there's like some economic instability, some fears on the horizon. Are there any recommendations you would have for a business owner looking at how, do, I guess, how do like economic factors uh, play into some of their calculations or like their planning process as they're looking at, at growth? Right. Um, let me give you a metaphor real quick and then, and then we can go from there. So one of the things that happens inside of the stock market, which I like to, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. full-time entrepreneur, part-time wealth builder. Um, and the, the deal is, is that when the market is low, people tend to sell, but Buffett is buying. Right. And when the market is high, (laughs) people tend to be buying, but Elon is selling. 
right? So like oftentimes what our gut tells us to do is is exactly opposite. So it's when I'm not telling you to just go carte blanche in a recession, but what's happening is is you can guide a conversation shift in a recession. You might need to shift your narrative, but in a recession people are motivated to make changes right. now. More motivated, yeah. More motivated. So what how does your conversation need to shift to align with those motivations? Right? And and oftentimes what it is 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 I if I need to like on the marketing front, it's like I need to know and prove that my marketing is working or that budget will be cut. That is the conversation that happens in a recession. So oftentimes it comes down to how are we going to, you know, you can make one move on one offer, right? Uh, and and get a 30, 50% increase in the ROI of all of your marketing. For example, maybe it has nothing to do with selling your product. Maybe it has to do with selling a meeting. If you can get 20 or 30% better at selling a meeting because in most companies, there is no sales of a product without the sale of a meeting, right? If you could just focus on that one lever and shift making that meeting really on point for this market, all of a sudden your your marketing might be outperforming all of the competitors. And while they dial back their bids, you could increase yours. And if you take a look at very significant startups, you ought to just Google, just Google the startups that started in 2008, right? Because a lot of opportunity comes from the void of everyone else dialing back. And frankly, there's a lot of creative people that are unemployed being like, yeah, I'm just going to do my own thing. <laughs> so uh, so now how do you scoop those people up and bring them into your organization and and use it as an opportunity? And the the phrase that I really like, and I've used it before, uh, and I'll use it again, is the only economy that matters is your economy. So how are your numbers performing and what are you going to do to control and navigate your economy in any economy? And that can be done even with marketing. Right. Well, sales needs to shift. Marketing needs to shift. Sales and marketing need to talk. I could say we could just say that for a whole podcast. Sales and marketing need to talk. Sales and marketing need to talk. Right. And, and that's where some of those positive shifts are going to come from. Yeah. Okay. Uh, moving it. I think one of the first things when I started at Lean Labs, one of the first things I heard you say when talking about what we sell is that we sell patience to startups. <laughs> um, obviously, like half joking, but when we're talking organic growth and stuff, right? We, it's going to take some time. How would you go about talking or balancing out short term and long term goals when we're talking about organizational growth? Yeah, so um, ev every single conversation that we have starts off with a variation of how can you help us scale? Right. Right. How can you help us triple revenue? How can you help us double revenue? How can you help us? Um, how can you help us scale? And then my response is scale what? What do you have that's proven working, proven profitable that we can double, triple, quadruple down on for you? Most of the time, upon a cursory look at the analytics, it's nothing. The reason why you're not scaling is because the things you're doing are not working, right? So that's the first pause. Right. I can't scale right now. We're in, we're in the wrong gear. <laughs> um, we actually need to slow down and, and and start to understand before you can 
you know, outsell and outgrow the competition, you know, you on the path to being the market leader, you have to be the fastest growing. And if you're not the fastest growing company in your space, you shouldn't be trying to scale. You should be the fastest fixing, right? You should be the fastest fixing company in your space. What's underperforming? How do I either turn it off or, or, or flip it around? Right. And then, and if you're not in the spot where you're fixing, because there's not enough activity to fix, then you should be the fastest foundation building company in your space. And oftentimes we get to a certain level of growth to realize that our foundation is what needs fixed. Like we don't have a core narrative, like to the, all CMOs, all the CMOs in the room, what is your 60 second pitch? What is your 10 second pitch? What does your brand stand for? What does your brand stand against? What is the problem that you solve? What is the outcome that you achieve that's greater than competitors? How do you prove it? Right. What are the most recent wins that articulate this for you by customers? These are the foundational components that are often missing. Right. So if we want to think about this, yeah, normally we're not in a position to where we get to scale out of the gate. And I have to sell patience of we need to go back to the foundation and build those components so that we can we can we can be the fastest foundation building, then the fastest fixing of all the campaigns that aren't working, and then we can be the fastest learning, right, of what works well, and then we can shift into the fastest growing. You know? Yeah. That's the game. And I'd love to tell you is there's a shortcut. Every shortcut is a gamble. Six mm-hmm. six months, six figures. We'll find out if that worked. Or if you want to gamble more, do six weeks, six figures. <laughs> you know, uh, it's just a big gamble unless you have actually proven out the metrics first. Right. So CEOs, uh, even CMOs, so found, just company founders, um, are often going to feel compelled to take on additional work themselves, right? Rather than hiring out, outsourcing, because they're looking at uh, the, just the cost of kind of betting on growth, right? Hiring more staff. Um, applying budget to different places that won't necessarily see ROI for a bit because they got to train people up. They got to apply people to the right places. Do you have any advice uh, for how to appropriately kind of budget, budget your time as a leader? um, And then where, how could you use essentially capital as like leverage in order to budget for growth? Right. That's a loaded question. So (laughs) yeah, it's tough. So there's two kinds of things that happen. The first one is the opposite of what you asked, which is the rescue hire. I want growth. I don't want to be involved. I'm just going to hire this person or this agency and give them money and expect it to happen. To which I would caution that founder, right? Normally that's the founder thinking, I'm very product focused. I love the product. I'm just going to hire these people to make my thing. For which you probably do not do not outsource that which you do not understand. So you probably don't know how to manage them, right? And right. And, and do not outsource that which you have not done. Like you outsource, and once you have some level of traction, and if you don't have traction with any of your sales or marketing, you cannot step out of that seat. What you can do is you can bring in an advisor. You can bring in some help, but you don't try to step out yourself. So AKA you're in it, suit up, let's go. Mm -hmm. 
you know. Now, when you're in it, it can become where you stop being a strategic guide and you're wearing too many hats because you're not just in it, you're doing it. You're scheduling <laughs> the page launch. You're scheduling the redirect. You're 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 publishing the split test. Well, once you're at six-figure growth, you know, at least six-figure growth per quarter, probably one of your first marketing hires would be that marketing manager to where you're strategically guiding what needs to happen. And then you're going to have a marketing manager that's going to uh, make it so. And that's going to be a massive shift for you because as you speak, they will do. They become your right hand, right? And then and then oftentimes, you know, it, it's, a, it's a delegate game because if that marketing manager doesn't have all the necessary skills, either just before you hire them or just after the hire them, that's when that agency comes in. The ones that can come in and, and give you fractional ac access to design skills, development skills, you know, computational skills of looking at the analytics at a deep level if you don't have those skills in-house. If you think that one marketing manager will be that ultimate unicorn that can do all these things, that's going to be unfair. But at the same time, if you hire a an agency or agencies and you don't have that marketing manager, well, you're going to be pretty busy managing these these outsourced teams, right? So, um, you know, the, the, the two things that generally a early stage growing company will look to do is one founder is in the growth seat until they have at least six figure per quarter growth, right? Net new revenue. Mm -hmm. Okay. At least, uh, if not, I would be, I would be in the seat until I had seven figure net new revenue growth. We're doing at least a quarter million dollars in new business every single quarter for at least four to quarters in a row. Only then would I think about leaving it to another team, right? That still might be slightly premature. And what would I be looking to hire? I'd be looking to hire a marketing manager and I'm going to be looking to probably get them fractional access to all the skills they need to where they can manage each thing being done at a high level, you know? And that, that would be what I did. And now you need a marketing manager that's what? Eight to ten thousand dollars a month, and you need a marketing agency that is well. That's all over the plate, but let's assume you're going to get some people that are actually credentialed and good. Ten to thirty thousand dollars a month, you know. So you you can come in for twenty grand a month and get a massive uptick, but you can't do that if you didn't have a six figure quarter, right? So yeah. until then, you're in the seat, and you bring in, you get you you join a mastermind. And you go to you go to places where you can learn what other early stage companies are doing and you borrow from systems and frameworks and methodologies that you can self-implement until you get to that level. Once you're at that level, okay, now it's time to build some structure to protect you. You are the protector of the brand narrative. You're the the guider of the where we need to focus, and you're gonna you're gonna work with and through others. That's a shift because I mean I've personally struggled with that shift. I still want everything to be done exactly how I would do it um, versus going, okay, now I need to be good with this being 85% of the way that I would do it so that we can do five times as much of it. Right. Yeah. So, all right, we've covered a lot of advice like through this episode so far. Can you walk me through an example of a time that you helped a client budget for their growth? Um even if you can get granular and look at like, what did each stage of this look like? Like as they were going through their growth. Uh, right. 
Yeah. So, so, you know, if you guys don't know, I have a framework of how I think it ought to be a, a, approached. Right. Um, so most of the thing, most of the time, what happens is it's not that no one sees it. Like we're able to get the views, the analytics bear it out, but, but we're not able to get the engagement rate or the conversion rate to scale it. Right. Most of the time, there's just a lack of evidence and you're just making a promise out in the wind with no, with no backing, no proof, no credibility, and no one believes you. They saw you. They just didn't believe you. Right. So like, you know, before you can be the growth leader, you have to be the trust leader. You have to be able to win people to agree with you and your view. So like, in the beginning phase of, you know, where do I counsel brands? It's like, hey, you said you can get this result. What are the stories that prove it? And the cool thing is, is that's a low cost activity. That's called going back to customers and, you know, proposing a quote or a narrative to them that where they can tell your story for you. Right. And one example is a client where uh, they had zero reviews on the channel that they were spending $16,000 a month in pay-per-click. Hmm. Zero reviews. It was a review kind of platform, um, very popular in the software and technology space. Zero reviews, $16,000 a month in pay-per-click, right? And, uh, and so what we did is we said, let's just go back to past customers. From In November, they had zero. January 1st, they had 16, okay? Um, well, demos went up 3X because people, they were paying all this money for people to see the message, but no one was buying it. Right. So we built out the profile, what someone needs to see. Then we attacked the 16K spend and we were able to get more than double the conversion rate on just the landing page we were sending them to. OK. And to be honest with you, that paid for everything else we did for a year. Yeah. Right. So like it's really about, OK, where is my deficit? And how can I go fill like one, like find one lever, two levers? Sometimes you can't find one lever because you guys are farther along, right? But where can I find one, two, maybe three levers that can pay for everything else? Like that's the job of the strategic growth team is to is to find the levers that can actually, boom, I've just I've just unlocked, you know, that to pay for myself. You know, and if you hire a marketer, they their job marketers, you're looking for a job, come in and show the company, whether they're hiring or not, how you can pay for yourself in 90 days. Mm -hmm. You know, you're probably going to get an audition for that job. Right. Yeah. So I like viewing the, we're always hiring. If the right person shows up and can provide the value, why would we not bring them in? Right. Marketers come to us and tell yeah. us how you can pay for yourself in 90 days and we will create a role for you. In a recession, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, are we in a recession yet? I'm not sure. Let's not go there. We'll just, yeah, we can edit that one out if we just determine later. <laughs> uh, well, awesome. Kevin, thank you for all the uh, the good feedback, the advice uh, for really company founders and CEOs here. Um, for everyone listening, thank you for that. We appreciate your, your ears right now. Uh, don't forget to subscribe. Make sure you never miss an episode. And until next time, this has been Growth Team Radio. Want to grow your business? Trying to find the right path to do it? 
he's got the answers. Go to stopscaling.com. Yes, you heard right. Go to stopscaling.com where we'll show you the exact way to grow your business this year.